The Athletic. And welcome back to Pod on the Time, the Athletics dedicated Newcastle United podcast. Uh, my name's Taylor Payne and I'm joined by two cheeky scamps. I've got Chris Woff here with me. How are you doing, Chris? I'm alright, thank you. I've had a rather odd day from Good. finances to speaking to some very informed Newcastle United players. So yeah, it's been a bit of an odd day, but a, but a fun day. Very action-packed. Sounds like a white-knuckle thrill ride, Chris. Uh, and we've got George Cockney here as well. George, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, yes. Good. My day's not been quite as hectic as Chris, but it's been hectic enough and quite enjoyable. And we'll maybe get on to that a bit later. It's amazing what a derby win does to the rest of your week, isn't it? It just takes all the weight out of it. It's lovely. It's a nice feeling. It totally is. And again, the game is the game this weekend... Uh, for the men's teams on the horizon and it's no longer that sort of feeling of trepidation and nerves and slightly sort of sick feeling in the stomach it's once again a game to be relished which is a very nice feeling absolutely right well there's been a few bits and pieces happening over the last few days hasn't there? there's plenty to talk about uh first of all let's start with this fulham away in the fa cup uh chris what do we think are we happy with that i mean given some of the cup draws we've had recently it could have been a lot worse couldn't it well i tweeted afterwards and i'd say that if it was the context of a normal season you'd look at this and say this is a pretty hard away tie premier league side into the carabao cup semi-final good team yeah particularly at home but in the context of Newcastle's seasons of R and all the other draws, you'd actually say, oh, well, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, Newcastle were the very last side out as well, the very, very last side out of the entire draw. And she dropped the ball as well. Did you see that? Did, yeah, I know. The number 15, she picked it up. We would have had a home draw, dropped it back in the pot. Oh, my God, the tension, the so drama. I mean, it'd be nice if Newcastle were to get a home draw at some point, which they've only had one in all. I mean, they had, they had the Man City home game, but equally that was Man City. Yeah. But, yeah, it it's 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 an opportunity. It's certainly given given that Fulham have extra fixtures with the Carabao Cup semi final. Obviously, Leeds and Anfield lost two one in the end, but their games on the Wednesday before this time, which will have to be on the Saturday. We don't know what time it is yet, but it, I think it has to be on the Saturday because Newcastle play the following Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, it could have been worse, but equally, I don't think it's the easiest and kindest draw it could necessarily have been. Last chance at Silverway as well, George, this season. It's uh, a little bit of pressure on it, isn't there? There totally is. As I said the other day, it's like the idea of the derby against Sunderland being important because it was the last competition Newcastle could still realistically win. A couple of years ago, three years ago, we'd have laughed at that even being a concept. But this is now a club that is geared around winning things and wanting to win things in the future and so it's a massive massive game it's a massive opportunity um i feel for newcastle fans i think it's you know this little game will probably be moved and um and i think it's going to make for awkward journeys and you know particularly when they've got another awkward journey a couple of days later yeah but yeah as chris said it sort of could have been worse i mean it's it's not at home it's away it's not ideal but they will regard it rightly as an opportunity Absolutely. Uh, also, Chris, the club accounts have been released today as well, haven't they? And this is the time of year when everybody turns into an amateur accountant and tries to tell us how much money Newcastle have left to spend. Uh, what's the headlines with that? So I'm going to try and be an amateur accountant now. And I'm going to try and tell you how much Good. money Newcastle have to spend. <laughs> and the reality is they don't have very much to spend in terms of what they're actually allowed to spend. So the accounts have come out and Newcastle have recorded a pre-tax loss of £73.4 million, which is basically similar to, to the loss they had last year. 
This is a very complicated subject, and I don't really want to get fully into the intricacies of it because it's very boring. But but really, that those figures, if you read them added together, that's around 140 million. And clubs are only allowed to lose 105 million over three years for the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules. But the complicating factor is that those two numbers don't necessarily correlate because there's a lot of things which you can remove from those figures in terms of investment in the women's team, in infrastructure, in the academy, a lot of other things you can write off. So essentially, Newcastle are very close to their PS figure but Darren Eels the CEO has come out and insists that they will be compliant and that that is part of the business plan going forward that not only will they be compliant for the this set of accounts which was for up to June 30th 2023 so for last season they will be going forward that's part of the business plan and really going into this January he said that it's not a month that we like to do a lot of dealings in any way but also they can't really do that because of the position they're in. He wouldn't confirm that they can't make permanent signings. He wouldn't say that they had to sell to buy and he wouldn't confirm that they will or won't do loan signings. He, he suggested it's not going to be a very busy month unless something dramatic happens and that's not the way they're necessarily looking at it. So that's probably not the update a lot of Newcastle United fans wanted to necessarily hear. I think Eddie Howe ideally would like to hear that Newcastle can bring someone in and it, I'm not to say that they're not going to because I still think they will try and get in at least one player on loan but this is what I was talking about the other day about maybe needing to move a player out to bring them in. Eels again reiterated what Dan Ashworth had about 16-18 months ago about the need to move players on in the in the market at the moment because if you say he gave the example of if you sell someone for 50 million pounds and bring someone in for 50 million pounds on exactly the same wages you actually gain bizarrely in FFP terms, £40 million pounds leeway in terms of because it's it's amortised over the length of the contract. As I say, it's very intricate, it's very boring, but basically the main headline figures are Newcastle's commercial revenue has increased significantly, the revenue has increased a lot, so has their cost base, and basically, for now, they're going to have to do some player trading over the course of the next 12 to 18 months to make sure they're going to have more room going forward to be able to sign players. And like Chris said at the start, George, that is quite a dry subject, isn't it? Accounting and, and, and finances and all that. But it does have very real-world ramifications now, doesn't it, going forward for Newcastle United? And some of us are going to have to start coming to terms with the fact that player trading is simply going to have to happen in order for the club to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's always been part of the club's model, this, that you know they have to become good sellers. It's not just about having a great hit rate in the transfer market, uh, bringing people in, which they have had. It's also about knowing when to sell and knowing when to reinvest that money. I mean, you know, you certainly wouldn't be surprised if at this point if that happens uh, this summer. It doesn't mean that Newcastle suddenly become a selling club because of FFP. It means that, like all clubs, like all big clubs, including Chelsea, including Man City, you know when to sell your players at the right right price. So that's part of the you know. Whilst FFP is in place, that is absolutely part of the way things clubs who want to get better and better and stronger have to do i would say um it's very good that newcastle are doing this that darren eels is coming out and talking in public and trying to explain they have been keen uh, for a long time to try and talk about ffp to try and explain about why it's so difficult because there is this just response that people just sort of laugh at it and say no they can just do whatever they want they are and absolutely have been very determined almost paranoid about FFP about doing things the right way and yeah it's um it's good that they've done it and it does give an insight into where the club stands on this issue and there's been rumours recently, Chris, as well, hasn't there, about Paris Saint-Germain sniffing around Bruno Guimaraes, and obviously there's been chat about that. 
that release clause that he may or may not have and whatever money that is. And the club have said that every player has a price at which they will sell. Yeah, I mean, Eels actually gave the example of if you offered a billion for any of your players and you're not going to say no. I mean, it was <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's realistic, isn't it? I'm glad so he's kept that real. It was that's a very good. extreme yeah. example. Now, hang on. If you, if, you, if you bring in a billion pounds on a player, Chris, what does that what does mean? That give you? How much can they then spend, according to FFP? Five billion. Squillion. <laughs> a squ- a, a, a drillion. Drilli- a Roughly five Paul Dummets, I think. Right, okay. Well, that's fine. Sorry to interrupt your train of thought. That, that's, that's quite all right. But uh, yeah, so PSG have been linked heavily with Bruno Gimaraes, but I mean, Newcastle don't want to sell him this month. Going forward, that could change. As we've already said previously, you look at Newcastle's most saleable assets and really it, it, uh, there are those players that they brought in. Bruno cost around about £40 million if Newcastle were to double or treble their money for that. Significant potential for how they could spend going forward. You also look at someone like Alexander Isak and Sven Botman. I'm not saying Newcastle are going to sell these players. I'm not suddenly just floating to the market. I'm just saying these are, if you look at where Newcastle can probably make the most money it is with the, the, the big players assigned but then you also look at academy products and, and that's if you in accounting terms if you sell an academy product that actually counts as pure profit in terms of towards the profit and sustainability regulations and where you get the limit and basically that that's worth even more to you I'd say this is getting very dry again but basically <laughs> I do not I do not foresee yeah. Bruno Gimaraes leaving this month the thing that's important as well Chris is to say that this isn't some kind of change that Newcastle are suddenly panicking because of FFP and having to sell their best players that's not how it is Newcastle are still looking to grow and get bigger and better and to invest more and more money into their squad it's just the way they have to do this is by no Knowing when to sell, and uh, personally, I agree with you. This month is absolutely the wrong time, and um, you know, particularly when they've been stretched with injuries. But also for incomes, I mean, yeah, Eels kept on referring to that. He kept on saying we'll have Newcastle will have players back hopefully soon, and that that will help them. And also the the, the easing of the fixture list. They're not that they wanted to be out of Europe, but that does aid them. But in terms of not only was this not a month Newcastle don't necessarily want to sell, although Eddie Howe ideally would like to sign players, and given the sort of perfect storm there's been of injuries. Newcastle didn't don't usually target January windows. It's not a time they like to do most of their incomings. So the plan is for the summer for there to be further incomings and really a, a greater strengthening of the squad. And by then, what Newcastle will also have in terms of to their benefit is they will have the Champions League money from this year that goes into the accounts for next season. They will also have uh, the first year of the Adidas kit deal. So this year they've had the seller deal. It's not actually in the accounts we've just seen because the accounts are for the year before. But the, going forward, these revenues are going to keep building. Obviously, if Newcastle don't get back in the Champions League in the season after, they might be hit in that sense. But the idea is for Newcastle to keep building on the growth and particularly commercial growth-wise. What was interesting was in the accounts was they got about seven, seven and a half million pounds from PIF-linked companies. And I think that next season, certainly with the seller deal, you'll see that that's even higher going forward. If we did sell Bruno Gimaraes for an awful lot of money, would we be able to spend a Brazilian pounds in FFP? Oh. Come on now. Come on. Clever. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, um, Isaac Hayden, George, one of your favourite topics. Yes. Uh, and a throwback to podcasts gone by. Uh, his loan in Belgium has been terminated. Uh, Joe White's returned as well from a successful spell at Crew. so how can have a look at him, apparently, that's according to the crew manager. Uh, it looks like the club are trying to give themselves as many options as possible, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, on, on Isaac, I think he moved to Standard Liège after moves to a couple of championship teams broke down. I think it was very important for him to go away, to prove his fitness, to play games. He's played 10 games, I think, over there, and I think it's been a pretty successful spell. There has been this window within the window 
where he could come back and then look to move to another club. I think that'll be what happens. I would expect him to get a championship club. So yeah, good luck to him. I think he's enjoyed it over there. He has also been commuting, so it's not like the easiest thing in the world. So hopefully he gets himself sorted as soon as possible. Absolutely. Let's move on. Uh, Chris is right up on the big transfer meeting uh, is on The Athletic right now, Chris, isn't it? Can I just interject there to say, I mean, the, the big transfer meeting, I think, is slightly o- over egging the pudding it was it was a transfer meeting and it was an important <laughs> one because all of them are but Newcastle have had several of these and this was the latest catch-up I saw a few people replying to a few messages clearly people who hadn't read the article but saying why have they only just met up now and that is not the case Newcastle regularly have these sort of meetings particularly over Zoom a lot of a lot of the people who, who dealt in were over Zoom particularly from PIF and the like so but the, the, this was a meeting to sort of talk about where Newcastle are and I think over the course of the next couple of weeks post Man City as I said previously that's when Newcastle are going to look to try and really move in the market if they are going to do anything is there anything they can actually do there fair enough Chris I wouldn't want to over egg your pudding to never I never want to put myself in that position um, yeah as well as uh, Chris's uh, transfer meeting uh, right up there's some brilliant insight from Jacob as well remember Jacob George you remember him who's that no, no idea. Uh, brilliant insight from Jacob on Anthony Gordon. Uh, more on that later. And Liam Tharm explaining why squad depth is more important than ever. So sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just one ninety nine a month for your first 12 months. We'll be back with some Man City chat after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, chaps, Manchester City looms over the horizon, as they tend to do, Saturday at 5.30pm on TNT Sports. But before we get into all of that nonsense, look who's back. It's Jacob Whitehead. That's who we were on about before, George. You remember him? Look at him. Look at his little face. He looks, yeah, I think, yeah, vaguely. I mean, it feels like the, I don't remember much, but yeah, there's something coming back to me. Irritatingly. Well, you were setting fire alarms off to try and avoid having to come on the podcast, weren't you, Jacob? So. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this is a story. I was trying to uh, make a snack. I wanted to have 14 slices of toast. I managed to do the first 13 correctly, the 14th. I went too far too soon. Just like the water boys, I saw the whole of the moon and I sent the entire building outside uh, for a fire alarm. And that is why I am 37 minutes late for recording. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff, Jacob. Uh, Right then, Um, Chris. Is this the Premier League's worst head-to-head record? 17 years, 33 games, a possible 99 points, and we've taken seven. You see, however I respond to this, you're going to say I'm being negative because I'm always the negative one, but how am I meant to respond to that positively? How am I meant to res- I mean... Just do what comes natural. They beat them in the League Cup early. Newcastle beat them early in the League Cup early in the season. So, you know, they're, 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 they're going to this on a winning streak. I think the way you could look at this is, would you want? Well, yeah. That's yeah, probably the best yeah, way to look at it. Look at this season. What has this season been? It has been a season of moments. It may not have been a season of consistently uh, winning week after week after week like it was last year, but this year, 
Uh, Newcastle have made history. Gone to Old Trafford, biggest victory for, I don't, can't remember how long. Beaten Man City in the League Cup. PSG, Sheffield United away from home, 8-0. Arsenal at home, that was a massive moment. And of course, Sunderland just this last weekend. So this is the weekend when it all changes once again. And Newcastle beat Manchester City. You never know, do you? Maybe we could take heart from the League Cup, uh, Jacob. Admittedly, uh, both teams did make a lot of changes on that day, didn't they? But that record is absolute dog shit, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is, but I don't think you need to only fall back on the League Cup, to be honest. like The home fixture last season was a 3 all draw, so that was a positive result. The home fixture this season in the League Cup was a win, albeit with changes. And I was at the game at the Etihad earlier this season. It was a 1-0 City win. City were the best side, better side on the day, but Howe was disappointed with his team's performance. Still, Newcastle only lost 1-0 and had a chance at the end. So it's not been a story of Newcastle being completely outclassed in recent seasons. It's more just results not quite going. And they've already done it in the League Cup, so why not? I think Chris is just being negative again. There we go. Two <laughs> positive voices and Chris Woff. Absolutely. That 3-3 though, George, Jake mentioned it there. That, that to borrow a phrase from you, that was a huge torn setter, wasn't it, for last season? Yeah, totally. It was massive. It was a fantastic game and Newcastle had had that sort of difficult start to the season and um, yeah, it was it was brilliant and they have they have been able to do that. They have still done that this season. If you look back at some of those games that I mentioned earlier, for the big games, not all of them, I understand, but for some of them, they've they've really kind of made statements and they're capable of doing that. And it was just so good that last weekend they've kind of managed to stop the rot a bit in terms of results. They've had another good spell on the training ground this week and it'll be, you know, I think instead of St. James's being a bit nervous and worried, there'll be a great atmosphere and, yeah, hopefully the team can respond. Joel Linton's going to miss out, Chris, and also obviously Barnes, Wilson, Willock, Anderson, etc. All far back. And in comparison to that, Man City, they welcome back Haaland and De Bruyne. Never rains, but it pours, does it? Again, you come to me with this negative tone. I'm going to. Fl- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're the man for the job. I know, I know, I know. Life is what you make of it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joel Linton, I mean, hasn't been confident. That very much I understand that he's not going to, to be available. I think the two week break that follows is going to be is a, is a positive for Joel Linton in the sense that if he missed three weeks. Or however, we don't know exactly how long. But if this, if he had this injury in December, he would have missed several matches. That isn't going to be the hopefully the case this time. If it isn't too long term, but Barnes, Wilson, other side of the international break should be very very soon. They will be back afterwards. But not, yeah, just don't see them being involved for this match. Although this is also Eddie Howe. We're going to, I'm going to hear from him tomorrow morning, Friday morning, as it, as it is. Um, and we'll see whether he, he actually gives up any positive in, in injury updates or whether he just gives as usual. We'll assess them this afternoon and then basically we, we won't know until kickoff. But yeah, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne back last weekend, not 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 ideal timing for Newcastle United. I mean, Man City have been doing pretty well without him as well. Haaland has a very good record against us, but every Premier League team, including Newcastle, where he scored, he did score St. James's Park in that match last season. But I think Newcastle just have to focus on themselves. Newcastle's first 11, which they can get out still, is very, very strong. Depth-wise, they're still waiting for those other players to come back, and maybe they still can't change things as much as they'd like to off the bench. But Newcastle's first 11, albeit minus Joe Linton, who will be a big, huge miss in midfielders' physicality, I still think that, that, that at St. James's Park, they do have a very good chance. The thing I quite like about Eddie Howe's Friday injury updates are the amount of kind of general Friday energy they give off, the kind of can't-be-asked-to-check Let's see how we go tomorrow. 
if they're there at 11 o'clock, great. Big Daz will turn up, stick him on the right. Yeah. And, you know, which is very Eddie Howe in every other way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're, we're on the piss tonight. Uh, fuck it, yeah, I can't be bothered, yeah. Oh, come on. Don't be asking things like that, Chris. What time's kickoff again? Who are we playing? Who's their manager? <laughs> what division are they playing in? Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. And I say this with a great deal of respect and love. It is absolute bullshit. It is, um, if if there's a man who's on top of his detail, it's Eddie Howe. But yeah, we, we forgive him his trespasses. Absolutely, we do. Uh, that front three looks like it's going to be Isaac, Armoron and Gordon again, hopefully fresh enough with a, a full week to prepare. And Jacob, you've been mining Anthony Gordon's development at Everton for some uh, nuggets of insight, haven't you? Yes, I have a piece which I have wanted to write for a long time. I was hoping it would be a piece where he was dressed in blue, but we can't always get what we want. <laughs> but because it has been a winding path to this point for him. He's not kind of one of those players who instantly burst through at 17, 18, looked incredible and got a big money move. He kind of came through at quite a problematic club, as we've already discussed a lot, and really had to work hard for opportunities against a lot of managers. And it's only actually under Benitez that he got his first sustained run of facts. There's been tons written about him, so I tried to mostly talk about his psychology. And the quite fun thing about Anthony Gordon is that he's like me on Boxing Day. He gets a new toy and just instantly wants to try it out and gets absolutely obsessed with it for 48 hours and take something from it before then. Why do you get presents on Boxing Day? That seems a strange thing. By opening it on Christmas Day, but then I'm too busy having gorged on corn turkey and non-alcoholic beers, George, to actually enjoy it. Uh, so I, I wait to then play with my presents on Boxing Day. <laughs> so on brand, isn't yeah, it? Unbelievable. I mean, that sort of did take all enthusiasm out of my entire psyche. But I would say that um, if you've been missing uh, Jacob on the podcast and missing his written stuff, and why wouldn't you? This is a lovely way back in it. It It's a great piece. And it, um, yeah, it kind of feels to me like it really gets to the heart of, uh, of Anthony Gordon, who's been such an important player for for Newcastle this season in particular it does feel like he's been worked so hard over the Christmas period you know he's you want him to be absolutely full of running to be able to run for an hour and then bring somebody else on hasn't been able to do that uh, and he's really had to tough it out but it's a brilliant piece by Jacob and yeah it really is please subscribe if you don't already and read it because it's lush. there is and there's also a little, there's, a, there's a little nugget in there also referring to Eddie Howe and about how <clears throat> when Anthony Gordon was available for loan from Everton that uh, Eddie Howe and Bournemouth had looked to take him down there and I know that the, the recruitment team in and around Eddie Howe are big fans of Gordon and have followed his development for a long while so yeah uh, yeah, I sat down and, and had a read of that this afternoon, Jacob, as well. I got a fistful of bourbon biscuits and a big cup of tea and uh, and, and got stuck in. That's how Eddie Howard is his scouting. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there, was, there was one thing in the middle of that article which I really enjoyed, and there was a goal, a clip of a goal feature in that, which was very on-brand for Anthony Gordon as well, where he does a lovely little bit of footwork, cuts in from the right and bends one into the far corner. It's something we've seen him do at Newcastle as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's against West Bromwich Albion for, I think he's playing for Everton under 18s at the time, so it's going way back in the archives. And this kind of was a move which he really depended upon a lot in his youth career. He kind of had that ball striking ability and footwork, which defenders at that level couldn't deal with. Then he moved up to the senior team and quickly realised, I can't get away with that anymore. Premier League defenders are too good. Yeah. And For a while, it disappeared from his game. And I remember Chris actually talking about this a few months ago, how with Jason Tindall, he'd been working to get this back into it, working out how he can almost upskill the move to get it working. And um, 
he scored a very similar goal against Sheffield United earlier this season in the 8-0. And it was actually a really nice thing to see that this trademark was back. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, nice to see uh, a read about David Unsworth in there as well. He loved a twatted penalty, George, didn't he? He loved a twatted penalty, David Unsworth. Yeah, the best kind, the only kind. Smash it as hard as possible. Uh, So the attack, that feels decent, uh, even if we would like a little bit more from the bench. But will the game be won there? Uh, Chris, Pep Guardiola had the better of Eddie Howe at the had, didn't he? With with Akanji in midfield. Part of the plan really sort of nullified our press, didn't it? Yeah, it was a strange game, that one, because Newcastle... I thought they they really did actually struggle in terms of Man City being the only team I've seen who, could, who played so much from the back but managed to get through the press in that ability to actually break the press, passing it through rather than going above it. But then Man City didn't have tons of opportunities. It was obviously a very special strike from uh, Alvarez that was the difference that, that, that day. And Newcastle had a couple of half chances later on that the issue was they couldn't really convert any of the maybe openings that they had into real clear-cut chances and so never really looked like scoring of their own accord and obviously they subsequently lost against Liverpool and Brighton and that became a bit of a, a bit of a poor run but they weren't completely overwhelmed by Man City and as, as, as George and Jacob have already referred to that moment last season at St James's Park the 3-3 they really did put the frighteners at Man City and so if they can find anything like that level haven't had a week on the training ground both rest but also the ability to work on the specifics that they haven't been able to much in recent months on the training ground then I think they have I think they have a very good opportunity of getting a positive result but obviously it is the huge the biggest challenge basically in European football but I still think they've got a, they've got a decent opportunity. Right then, chaps, let's uh, let's move on a little bit. Uh, a threshold moment for Newcastle's women on Sunday as they take on WSL Giants Manchester United in the Adobe Women's FA Cup. Uh, Katie Barker has been playing on the left side of Newcastle's attack, scoring a hat-trick against Halifax last weekend, but she was in centre-forward in their title-winning campaign last season. And George surprised her with a message of support from another famous Newcastle number nine. Hey Katie, Alan Shearer here. Sorry about my breath, I'm in the gym. Um, I know you're seeing George, so I hope he doesn't send you to sleep. I just want to say congratulations on that magnificent hat-trick at the weekend. Keep up the great work, man. All the best. Cheers. Oh my God, that's class. You're uh, number nine, you're a yeah. Geordie, you play for Newcastle. Was he a big kind of figure in your household growing up, for you oh, growing up? I think he's a massive figure in everybody's household in Newcastle growing up, especially if you love football. Yeah, absolutely love Shira. So you happy with that? <laughs> I'm over the moon. I think you can tell by my voice. I can't stop smiling. Are you like him in this? I mean, you've got an incredible goal scoring record. Are you like him? Are you obsessed with goals? Have you always been obsessed with goals? I think as a forward, you've got to be. I think my record since joining Newcastle has been pretty good. And obviously, when I scored my first goal, well, the first goal at St James Park yeah. for the women's, I did, did the, the iconic Shira celebration. And um, yeah, I absolutely love him. And you've actually been playing a slightly different role recently, haven't you? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I've been playing more from the left. But I've played there a bit in the past. And under Becky, I have actually played it on the left But uh, when I was at university. So it's something I'm used to, but something I'm quite enjoying at the moment, actually. It was a brilliant hat-trick. It was a brilliant team performance as well at the weekend. I mean, it must be a dream come true at the minute, playing, playing for this team, unbeaten in 2023 and then starting off this year in the same kind of manner. Yeah, it is. I, I say that to everyone always, that it's a dream come true. 
um, the direction that the club's going in, but also the football that we are playing, it's it's amazing. Um, and the performances just keep racking up, and obviously that we're getting the points. We're top of the league at the minute, um, so we want to stay there until the end of the season and hopefully get promoted. But we're doing everything right on and off the pitch, we hope, and that is the, the goal we're looking at. So I've got a season ticket and I'm very, very proud of that. But I mean, one of the things that has kind of really struck me since the start of the season is the team's fitness and the team's style of play. Yes, I mean, the dominant team last season, a dominant team this season as well. But there just seems to have been a massive uplift in in terms of the way you play and the physicality. Do you feel that? And how much of a difference has going full-time made to you, would you say? When we play games, we always go into a game thinking we are going to be the fittest, we are going to be the strongest. So in the last 10 to 15 minutes of halves in games, I think that's when we really, really take a hold of them. Um, but that's something that we know and maybe something that we do look to do. But like say, being a full-time outfit, you kind of expect that. But that doesn't take away from the work that we put in when we are training and in the gym on the pitch. It is something we pride ourselves on. It's an astonishing record to go through a whole calendar year unbeaten. Does it sort of almost make you feel unbeatable when you go out on, out on the pitch for these league games? It really does. And there has been situations where we have found ourselves behind in games, whether that be the girls out here last season or this season. And we've still managed to come around that and win games or draw. Um, so when you've got that running, it keeps going and going. Like you say, you do become you do feel a bit undefeatable but like you need to obviously maintain that as well because you can't go into games complacent and they're the games you will get turned over. And the reason we're, we're here at St James's today is actually to talk about a different a different game, a cup game. It's a massive game for the team, for the club. Can you tell me how you're approaching it? Is there a such thing as a free hit? Is it a chance to showcase what this Newcastle United is about? How are you approaching it as a, as a team, as a squad? We're approaching it as any other game. We approach every game the same in terms of the way we train, the way we go about, like, everything to do with it. It, it is no different. I know we are playing a higher opposition, but for us, there's still the same goal. We play every game to win, so we want to do the same. We want to play our football, so that is definitely something we're going to be looking to do. And it's the kind of opponent that this club wants to be playing in the not-too-decent future, right? Yeah, exactly. I think nobody's ever been shy in saying the direction we want to go in. We want to end up in the WSL. So coming across a WSL opponent now, I think it's a brilliant test for us and probably to show where we're at. Like I say, we, we do want to win the game. We always say we want to win every game. So it'll be really, really interesting to see that we can play our game against a very good opposition. It's a very special time to be a Newcastle player right now. Yeah, it is. Everything that's happened in the last few years at the club has been amazing and I'm um, very honoured to play for this club and be a full-time professional because when I first joined it didn't seem possible. For us in the women's team especially, now that we're in this position, we want to try and put on the best performances we can and be the best role models we can so the little girls that come and watch us now, yeah. they can see that there is that pathway there and this that could be them in a few years' time. Oh, lovely that. Lovely interview that, George. Thank you very much. I very much enjoyed doing it. She was absolutely superb last weekend, and um, yeah, I couldn't resist trying to get Alan to do a little do a little message for her. And he couldn't resist digging you out as and well. And he I couldn't noticed. resist 
taking the piss out of me, but that's that's fair enough. You have got to take it from him, really, haven't you? Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting to hear though that Katie played on the left hand side for Becky Langley in the past, isn't it? That's an interesting one. It would have been easy for her to be uh, put out by the arrival of Bridget Galloway, but she's discovered some fantastic form in in a new slash old position. Yeah, I mean, I, I said you know the thing that sort of stood out from the weekend was the sort of fitness of the team, the way things just look so comfortable for them. Obviously, you know, training full time makes a makes a massive difference to them. But the other thing was that sort of element of fluidity. It was similar to the men's team in some ways, how they're sort of those forward positions, players looking comfortable coming in. And she's she's just been in great form. She's just a really good footballer, which uh, which obviously helps. And there is that same sort of feeling of team spirit around the team how could there not be when they've gone just gone through a whole calendar year unbeaten but yeah she was absolutely phenomenal at the weekend and long may that continue and on our last show as well Becky Langley told George that they're going there to win the game Jacob it's not empty talk is it Uh, even if it seems weird given the distance between the two teams yeah well I mean a few things here one is that this Newcastle team and their recruitment is filled with players who have played at a higher level who have gone far in the FA Cup and know what knockout football is about and the other thing is just underscoring their form 11-3 wins 7-0 wins I was going through the record of the last two matches played at Kingston Park and Newcastle women actually scored four more points than Newcastle Falcons did uh, in the last two <laughs> matches played there. So, so, so they're doing really well. That's very good. That's a brilliant start. Outstanding stuff. As reported in The Athletic as well by Dan Sheldon, Jacob, the opposition aren't exactly in a great place at the moment either. No, I mean, there's kind of two things going on here. One is that Manchester United women are having quite a lot of structural issues in terms of retaining players. The future of Mary Earps is up in the air. And then kind of most prominently, uh, their chance against their manager at the last game, which is quite unusual in the women's game. And there was kind of an incident where they're spoken to by club staff and it was all kind of quite ugly and played out on social media but at the other time if you kind of look at results they're doing okay they had lost to Liverpool but apart from that they've won six of their past seven games so it's not like they're in a slump it's just more like a piercing from the outside the reality is very different Fair play. Well, good luck with the lasses. Uh, that's about, the lasses. lasses. Uh, that's about it, I think. It's lovely having Jacob back, isn't it? Do you know what it's like? It's a bit like when Billy Preston came in to play keyboards on the Let It Be sessions and all the other Beatles stopped trying to kill each other for five minutes and just enjoyed the music again. <laughs> that's how it feels to me. That's beautiful. It's just settled everything, hasn't it? That's beautiful, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Just before we go, I just wanted to say that, that uh, uh, since we've been recording, that the Fulham match has been confirmed for 7pm on the Saturday, and the Newcastle United Supporters Trust have released a very strong statement basically condemning it. It's because it's bullshit, Chris. It's That's absolutely why. ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. It's ludicrous. The financial and logistical burden imposed on travelling supporters by TV companies is shocking in an industry reaping huge profits. It is always the fans who pay the price is part of what the statement reads. And yes, the, the mass frustration among Newcastle fans, and understandably so. And you still know that Newcastle fans will turn up in number because they always do, and they'll put themselves at great inconvenience and at, and at great cost. And nobody that you know, nobody will think about it, nobody will care because you know there'll be loads of people in the away end, they'll make loads of noise, they'll take their tops off and generally behave like Newcastle United fans do behave, but it is absolutely taking the piss, and um, that's all. 
It's absolute garbage. Those lads and lasses will be on the road, on the trains, all day, all night, trying to get home, trying to book hotels, all that sort of stuff. And yet again, they get the piss taken out of them. It's shocking. It needs to stop. And it's on ITV4, which is barely TV as well, is it? So Straight after Love Island, probably. Anyway. Right, let's finish up. Uh, get in touch at Pod on the Time on Twitter or X, uh, and email us at Pod on the Time at theathletic.com. Subscribe to us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Uh, be sure not to miss the show on Monday because we've got something quite special lined up. Yes, we do indeed. Um, so we sort of mentioned at the top of the show that Chris and I have been uh, been doing something quite, quite fun today. It involves a certain former Newcastle United number nine aka Alan from work and he's been doing an interview um, with a Newcastle United player all I'd say on this we're going to give a little clue but there is a new Mackham Slayer in town and he's been working on his Geordie I learned a bit last season tell us because some of the words I know yeah some of the phrases we need to see how good you are Um, Ari Bokid That's fabulous. That sounds that sounds more Geordie than any of us. Well, it definitely sounds more Geordie than me and Jacob. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, right then, that's it. Thanks a lot, chaps. Thanks, Chris. You're very welcome. I will return on Monday with my usual positivity, regardless of whatever happens on Saturday at St James's Park. And thanks a lot, George. Lovely to see you. And you, yeah. What a what a lovely treat. It's been delightful. And of course, thank you to Jacob Whitehead for joining us again. Cheers, Jacob. Thank you. I'm sorry I was late. Let's uh, not be strangers. That's fine. Don't let it happen again. Otherwise, you're out. Thanks a lot from everybody at Pod on the Time. Cheers for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Confirm on the following game, I think. It's uh, going to be at eight o'clock, apparently. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's a great time, that, I isn't it? I was sort of hinting. Brilliant. Oh, something like that. Uh, well, Fulham have tweeted, but I don't think Newcastle have yet. Uh, two seconds. Fulham, let's see. This is less of a podcast now and just more Chris doing admin. 7pm. Uh, 7. 7 fucking p.m. ITV4 and ITVX. Do you want me to do it if it's in London? I was going to come and do that, but Crystal Palace away has got your name written all over it, though. When is it? <laughs> I think it's like, what, it's just before the international break, I think, in March. Yeah, fine. <sighs> the Athletic.